Hi everyone, it's John. And Ben. And welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985's Santa Claus, the movie. One minute at a time. And this week we have another just jam-packed minute. Lots of details, lots of stuff going on. There's stuff literally like flashing in our faces on the screen. And like I mentioned last week, there is a whole Santa scene that is in the book that's not in the movie. And I cannot wait to share it with you. I can't wait to hear this too. (laughs) So let's just dive right in. So as you may recall, last week in minute 78, did did we even say we're on minute 79? I can't remember. I don't have no idea. Well, anyway, this week we are on Minute 79. As you may recall, last week, the little boy who was standing watching two gentlemen play basketball caught the ball. He is eating a puce pop. He grabs the ball. He jumps in the air. That's where we left off last week. We pick up this week in Minute 79. Of course, nobody can take off after consuming a puce pop without making that noise. We hear it three times in this minute. So I think if you ate the puce pop, as soon as you start levitating off the ground, you make that noise. Okay. That's what I'm going with. You can believe that if you want to. That's what I believe. (laughs) They they are in love with that sound effect. (laughs) So anyway, the boy flies through the air, throws the ball into the hoop. He does like a little, yes, fist bump type thing as he floats out of frame. I love that outfit that he is wearing, by the way. That is a stereotypical 80s jumpsuit. I mean, you got, like, the windbreaker pants, the windbreaker shirt that has, like, the stripes and the block color. I mean, that is straight-up 80s. They could not have gotten a kid outfit to be more 80s than that right there. It looks like they're like green stars down the pant leg and the sleeve as well. Yeah, it does kind of look like that, doesn't it? The two guys who are playing basketball are looking on in disbelief. And those onlookers in the background who last week I think were searching around for something on the ground or looking at something on the ground, even they are in amazement of the little boy floating in the air. They're all pointing at him. Where'd the third person come from? Maybe, maybe he came from around the corner. They were like, hey, hey, check this out. This kid's floating around. <laughs> maybe. I don't remember seeing a third person last week. <laughs> we cut back to the two original basketball players. One of them sounds like he's about to swear. He says, holy. That's what it sounds like to me. And then the other guy says, I don't believe it. Oh, I don't believe it. And we get a better look at some more graffiti. Um, these are the ones I have in my notes. And Mm -hmm. as I said last week, these would make perfect Twitter handles. Uh, You can use these. There's Fanny MH, I have written down. Okay, yep, I see Fanny. (laughs) I see, I have written down Thunder Chunder. Uh Uh-huh, yep. I like that one. Thunder Chunder? Yep, at Thunder Chunder. Oh, jeez. At Thunder Chunder on Twitter. (laughs) So last week we were debating if a piece of graffiti said Smacker's Delight or Smucker's Delight, kind of yeah. like the jelly. Yeah. But there is also a another piece of graffiti that says Taller Than You, Smuck. Yes. So I think it now I'm kind of thinking it's Smucker's Delight. But I don't know if it's still, I mean, Smuck, isn't that kind of like a, like a term? Or am I thinking Schmuck? You Schmuck? <laughs> I guess it's an S-H sound, not a smuck. Yeah. Yeah. I get. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's just a slight difference. <laughs> so now, now we cut to another wall of graffiti. Must be nearby. It looks like it's on, um, like it looks like the camera just panned, you know, from the boy shooting the hoop, just kept going. And, like, the other side of the wall over, like, on the right side is over there. So, I think it's the same exact spot. So nearby we see a girl in a red jacket holding hands with a boy who has a puce pop in his mouth. The girl is saying, So cute. Uh, there is a pile of trash in the foreground. 
Yeah. So when you first see these two kids, you think you think they're the same height. Mm-hmm. But as they walk past the garbage that's in the foreground, we see that the boy is actually walking and floating in air, holding onto the girl's hand. You know, he's only a couple, what, like a foot off the ground. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the girl's holding him down. Oh, yeah, I guess that could be, too, yeah. And once again, we hear the... Yeah, but he's not going up. He's been there the whole time. Uh, good point. Well, how yeah. do we know that? Maybe once they got past the, the, the garbage, then he started to take off. Well, then he would be lower than her when he's oh, before the garbage. Yeah, good point. Scratch that from the record. Edit that part out. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm keeping it in. <laughs> now, before we move on to the graffiti on the wall behind these two, could this girl, could this girl with the dark hair, could that be Nicole Appleton? R- um... Remember from the dance minute, we were debating what little girl it could be. Maybe she wasn't in the dance minute at all. Maybe this is her right here. Dark hair. Maybe, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of hard I'm to just tell. To- I'm just tossing that out there. I know we <laughs> we can't really tell. We can't tell. I mean, it could be her, I suppose. I think she would have been a little bit younger than this, but she could have been tall for her age. So, I mean, it's possible. I guess until we actually have it from her, we'll never know who yeah. she was in this movie. Yeah. So let's let's take a look at the wall. Okay. And, of course, you were going by the crystal clear high definition copy that you have. Yeah. Let's see. I have a uh, Chico Duke. Yes. 749. Now, I looked that up because Duke 749 was so big on this wall. First thing that I came up was in, I guess, in Scotland, there is a an event that's called the Looney Duke. And it, but it started in 1986. So that couldn't be it. It's too late. And then I looked up what the word Duke meant. And this is like a family-friendly version of using a bad word. Because Duke is like poop. Or also another word for your rear end. So is that the edgiest this graffiti has got? I think so. And I don't know if that word meant that back in the 80s. Or if that's something that we have um adopted since then but duke is like a is like another word for poop you know what i'm saying okay moving down my list yeah. i have nate the snake mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how is and is is spelled h-i-s-s and then sab s-a-b mm. how is sab and then underneath it it says wow with an exclamation point <laughs> I don't know what any of this is supposed to be. You got nothing on that one? No, but I do like the cool off. Like, cool off. (laughs) Oh, that's what that said. I saw a cool, but I didn't see, I didn't, I guess I didn't see the off on mine. I'm looking Uh, at the, at the Amazon version, so I can kind of see a little bit better. Uh, Then we have, um, is up in the upper corner. And... Oh yeah, there's a, there's also a U in front of the I as I Z Z. So yep. U is up. U is up. So that that's movie related. It I is. Think somebody put that in as an Easter egg. Yeah. I see a smiley face. I have Shaq. S H A C K fourteen. I don't Shaq know if that's 14. an S. I don't you're know not, if that's an sure. S. You're not sure. I can't tell, but it doesn't look like an S on my version. Yigo, Yigo. Y-I-G-O, Y-I-G-O. I don't know what Yigo means. I didn't look that up. Let me uh, let me Google that real quick. Yigo, Yigo. They really liked Chico. They put Chico everywhere. Y-I-G-O comes up. The first result is it's Yigo. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. If I'm not, please forgive me. <laughs> Yigo, Guam is a northernmost village of the United States Territory of Guam and is the location of the Anderson Air Force Base. Hmm. So I don't know if that's a reference to the uh, location in Guam, possibly. Maybe. So we have to assume in the timeline of the movie, this must be the afternoon of Christmas Day. Yeah, I would think so. Next, in an overhead shot, we are in a kitchen. A mother 
is cooking dinner on the stove, we have to assume. Cooking something on the stove. On a high shelf, we see a cookie jar and a plate of candy. And then we hear it again. We know someone's going to be floating. (laughs) We hear it again. (laughs) Now... Now, this is the boy that um, I have the the bigger section in the book from that I was talking about last week. Okay. The boy floats into frame, reaches into the cookie jar. Mom sees this and gasps. It's more of a... (laughs) And the boy's just floating there in midair, happily waving at his mom while eating the cookie or putting the cookie in his mouth anyway yes okay so this is what it says in the book this is what happens before he gets to the kitchen the next morning dawned clear and crisp over the big apple in its sprawling suburbs in homes and apartments all around the five boroughs and all across the country and all around the world as morning came children awoke and came running to discover what surprises had been left for them on tables, beside hearths, and beneath trees. In one sunny home in Queens, so this is taking place in Queens, a blonde, tousle-headed little boy thumped down the steps into his living room, still in his pajamas, his eyes wide with excitement. He ran to the Christmas tree and, plopping down, seized the small patchwork present that waited there, ignoring everything else. He had seen the elf on television last night, and Patch had dazzled his five-year-old mind so utterly that he had not even thought of Santa Claus since then. So then I read the part about uh, the lollipop last week, so go listen to that if you want to hear about the whole lollipop. But then here it says, the little boy took one step and then another, and as he ate the pop beginning to wander toward the other packages under the tree. But as he took another step, something remarkable began to happen to him. He began to rise up into the air. He rose halfway to the ceiling with his next step and hovered there. His mouth and eyes opened wide in astonishment. Then his mouth stretched into a wide smile of pure delight. The patch present was the most wonderful thing he had ever been given. It let him walk on air. And then he wa- Then he floated into the kitchen, and his mom was making pancakes for Christmas breakfast. And he says, "Mommy, can I have a cookie?" And then she wasn't looking at him yet. And she goes, "Before breakfast, absolutely not." And then she hears him. And she's like, ah, what are you doing? And then it cuts to a boy in Brooklyn with the girl walking down the road. You know, him being the same height as her because of the pop. So that's where we were in the movie. So there are some discrepancies between the book's uh, version of events and what's playing out on screen. The boy in the book is blonde. He is a redhead in the movie. Mom does not appear to be making breakfast. Mom appears to be making some sort of lunch. I don't see any pancakes on the stovetop. Looks like a lot there's of like eggs. a sauce. Is that eggs? I thought yeah. it looked like a sauce. There's tons of eggs. Well, she could be baking a pie or something. Uh-huh, let me... She has eggs and bacon and toast. Okay, so maybe it is yeah. breakfast. Remember, I have a clearer version, so I... I do not fault you for not knowing what she's making on the stove, but I can see the eggs, bacon, and toast. And the kid does seem to be wearing a robe, Mm -hmm. like still in his pajamas. Yeah. Okay, so I guess the uh, just the pancakes and the color of the kid's hair are the only things that differ from the book to the movie. Yeah. So there is a little bit of product placement in this uh, scene. There is. Very subtle. Very, very subtle. Mm-hmm. In addition to a cookie jar with no lid on the top of this high <laughs> shelf, there is also a plate of wrapped and unwrapped candies, and not just any candy, mallow cups. Mm-hmm. I did not know. I'm going to let you do the history of mallow cups, 
because we both looked that up. But I'll let you do it. I did not know that Mallow Cups, I didn't know that that was a U.S. candy. Because oh, I don't think I had ever. UK thing? Yeah, I don't think I had ever heard of it. I know I've seen them before, and I've always associated it with, with uh, like, old-timey grandma candy. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever actually had one. I don't even know where you could buy one. You'd probably have to go to, like, some nostalgia candy store. You, you can order them online from uh, yeah, the I've company. Yeah, I've noticed that. You can go onto the official mm-hmm. website and order a case of them. Yeah, Mallow Cups are an American coconut-laced milk chocolate cup that contains a whipped marshmallow center. They were invented by the Boyer Candy Company in 1936. And uh, they do resemble Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, but they were not the first. Reese's were introduced in 1928. Mm. So They do have a peanut butter cup version as well. Yes, I did notice that. Now, I first noticed this product placement when we saw this in theaters. I mm-hmm. never noticed it before. It's like, oh, there's more product placement in this movie than just the obvious ones. And that's not the only product placement in this scene. On the counter by the sink, you see a box that just says cold power. And I thought, this must just be a like a generic prop of some sort. But then I looked it up, and the first thing that comes up, you can see a box, I think it's on eBay right now, that <laughs> looks exactly like this. It's real detergent. But... It's laundry detergent. Yes. What's it doing in the kitchen at breakfast time? I don't know, but she has a lot of spray cleaners by the sink that are not label forward, so you can't tell what they are. And uh, spray cleaners like that aren't usually used in the sink. They're used for cleaning, you know, the counters and whatnot. But you don't usually have them laying on the sink next to your clean dishes. Well, unless you're us and you just don't put your stuff away. But <laughs> they they look like cleaners, not like a deter- not like um a dishwashing detergent. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna guess that she probably was doing laundry in the sink, washing the unmentionables, if you if you will, in the sink. So there's actually a Wikipedia entry for Cold Power, which reads, mm-hmm. Cold Power is a brand of laundry detergent by Colgate Palmolive. It was originally sold in the United States during the 60s and into the early 1970s, but the brand was discontinued due to lagging sales. I don't know how accurate this is because I found ads on YouTube that are later than that, later than early 70s. So I think it hung in there a little bit longer. It could have been bought out by another company as well it says the brand is still being used in australia new zealand south africa and many other countries and the name is derived from the fact that it was advertised as you should do your laundry in cold water yeah one of the ads i saw on youtube was like if you do your laundry with cold power you could save enough hot water for three showers and then there was another one where there was a lady in a grocery store crossing out the word cold on all the cold power boxes and she was telling the grocer that cold power works just as good in warm water so maybe that was near the end of the run and (laughs) they couldn't really sell people on doing their laundry in cold water that's funny uh uh, lady a lady cut that out Uh, that should say warm that's the name cold power look with a name like cold power you'd think it was just for cold water so so most of today's synthetics call for warm water cold power works even better in warm so it should be warm but you can't change the name you just watch me warm power so before we move on to the next scene i do have a credit here None of the kids or the basketball players are credited as far as I know. If you know the if you know who any of those actors were, please let us know. We want to know everybody, the backstory of everybody involved in this movie, no matter how minor the role was. If you were the kid who floated over the refrigerator and grabbed that cookie, contact us. We'll have you on the show. We'll d- devote a minute to you. Exactly. Devote an episode to you rather. We're already talking about your minute. Right. <laughs> so on IMDb In the other cast and crew, they list Nancy Paul, uncredited as mother. 
So there are, there are some other mothers in this movie. So, but I think this is the one they're referring to. You know, every picture I've seen of Nancy Paul, she has that really poofy, frilly 1980s perm. Yeah. <laughs> and IMDb has all her credits like concentrated during a 10-year stretch, like between 1984 and 1995. Okay, what else did she do? So she was in 1985's movie Life Force. That ring a bell with you? It was about space vampires from the synopsis on IMDb. Uh, no, I don't think so. These are some of the more notable ones. Uh, she was on one episode of L.A. Law. She played Laura Rye, the English teacher, in four episodes of the first season of Beverly Hills, 90210. And her probably her biggest role, as I could... As, I can't talk today. And her biggest role, as far as I could see, seemed to be of Sally Brogan in 25 episodes of the BBC sci-fi series Space Precinct. Hmm. So there you go, Nancy Paul. I don't know where she is now. I don't know. I don't have any other information, so that, that's <laughs> all I know. She's like, eh, I quit. <laughs> so now we get a real classic movie trope, the spinning headlines. Yes. To show what a sensation, what a global sensation the puce mm-hmm. pops are. Now, these go by so fast, I can't even get a clear freeze frame on my DVD copy that I'm going off of. So, Ben, the first one we see, the newspaper is called The Express, and the headline is, Puce Pop Conquers the World. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The photo in black and white is of Patch in the Patchmobile. Yep. He's, I, is he hold, no, no, I thought he was holding something, but I think those are just the pinwheels on the, either side of the Patchmobile. Yeah, this is a picture that would have been taken in BZ's, um, warehouse right before he yeah. took off. I didn't see any photographers. I didn't either. Maybe one of those random white men, you know, white suited men were taking pictures off screen. We didn't notice. We get a good shot of the Puce Pop. Mm-hmm. And I see this other headline. I can't make it out. All I see is Pastor Pickett said no. Yep. So I got this. Awesome. (laughs) I watched it on the the high def version and it it makes no sense. So it's funny. Okay. It says, the bride wore white, then red, and even green. But still, Pastor Pickett said no. Now, what they would do a lot of times in movies and cartoons and TV shows, they would use a real newspaper and then just sort of paste their headline and their picture on there. So I wonder if that was a real newspaper headline. I don't know. Um, Is The Express a real newspaper? I did not look up The Express because I just thought it was too generic that it would come up with too many things. Uh, True. Um, The story about the puce pop Uh, Looks like it was written by a Margaret Stone. And then some of the bold, uh, like, paragraph headers here. I could only make out two of them. And one of them was urged, and the other one was choice. So I don't know what they're urging what choice to be made. But, uh, so that one was really difficult to, to make out. The headlines aren't spinning. The newspaper behind the headlines yeah. is spinning. Yeah. So after the uh, newspaper in English, The Express, we see uh-huh. a French newspaper yes. called Le Figaro. Yes. So Le Figaro is a French daily newspaper. And I have the, I have the translation here because I did look it up. And here it says... Um, on the left side of the newspaper, as you're looking at it, it says the, it's a little messed up because the, I used Google Translate. So it um, kind of jumbled some of the words. It doesn't know where the breaks are. So it combined both of these headlines together <laughs> into one sentence. But, um... It says, electoral reform, debate in the assembly, and the opposition calls for a referendum. And then it says, overwhelming success with a lollipop magic that makes you fly. And the 
Le Figaro was an actual is an actual newspaper, and the language is not um, French really. It's I don't know how to say this. Corsu, Corsu. It's a it's a uh, romance language, which is uh, it's it's Fr- like it's from France in the Mediterranean and Italy. So it's a it's a dialect of French, but it's not actually French. It's Corso. Oh, Corso. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So how do you pronounce this next one that's coming up? Um hold on. Okay. So the next one is El Pais. And this one is a Spanish a Spanish newspaper. This one goes by super quick. It does. It what does is... use the same photo of Patch and the Patchmobile as the first newspaper did. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the translation is, it's The Country is the name of the newspaper, if you translated it to English. And the top the top um, headline here with Patch's picture says, With the gnome lollipops, the children are walking through the air. And I cannot make out any of the other words because this one goes by very fast and it's very small on the screen. The writing is all very small, so it's impossible to make out what it is. It but there like is it... a face there. Yeah, there's a face. And yeah. I was going to point out what appears to be an advertisement for a tea set or yeah. a cup of tea. Yeah. There's a teapot and a teacup. Yeah. But it's very hard to make out anything else that's written. Okay, what's the next one? It's the Puse Pop, front and center. Yes. Courier de la Serra. That one didn't translate, just Courier de la Serra. It didn't translate, but this is an Italian. And um, on the left-hand side of the Puse Pop, that headline translates to Who Votes All Italian? I don't, I think it might be a rough translation. Um, and then the other side is about the lollipop, the right-hand side. And it says, announcements, glossy lollipop defies gravity. And then at the bottom, underneath the puce pop, there's a headline down there. And this one, I don't know how to say all of the words, but it says, Mitzla DC no longer does spatial shoot crusades i'm gonna assume it has to do with the space arms um race because because it was spatial and crusades and it's kind of messed up i don't think it translated very well because in the next newspaper is a japanese newspaper and in the japanese newspaper it says consensus on the space arms race avoidance in one of these blocks. So I think that space arms race was in the news when they were creating these um, headlines for this movie. And maybe that ties in with the reporters asking Patch about the astronauts here. Yeah. Here by the end of this minute. Yeah. Before we move on to the Japanese newspaper, I want to go back mm-hmm. to the previous one. Yep. And we've seen this picture of the Pew Spot before. Mm-hmm. I, have we seen a puce pop with that white? It look, almost looked like a nipple. <laughs> that white center. No. I don't remember that in the one Santa was looking at under the tree or the one consumed by Miss Tucker. No, the ones that you see in the actual movie are like one solid color of that puce pink. Okay, all that's what the, I thought. Yeah, all of like the, the drawn out puce pop items, you know, like the... For the uh, commercial and all that stuff. They've all had rings. You know? But I think this is supposed to be the puce pop pop. And then that little white nipple in the middle is supposed (laughs) to be the speck of magic. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. And then we zoom in close on the Japanese newspaper to Patch Uh and all the commercial chorus girl elves. Yes. and, And the nightmare elf statue in the background (laughs) yes so there's a lot of uh there's a lot of little things here so 
um, right next to Patch's picture, that writing that goes up and down on the right-hand side of that picture, it says, Japan Education Company of East-West Culture. So I think maybe that's the East-West Culture, um, like, uh, section of the newspaper. You know, like, uh, what's going on in the rest of the world type thing. Uh, then it has a thing about the thatcher Gorbachev talks promote the East-West Dialogue. Um, a notice of resumption of the new year. And then another one was like a story about I took first place on the 20,019th day. I don't know what that means. Because <laughs> there's a little little translation errors there. But you get the idea. Yeah, so, I'm willing to bet they probably just doctored a real newspaper. Yeah. If you dug deep enough, uh, you may even mm -hmm. be able to find that newspaper, but we don't have yeah. time for that. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> look through look through all the Japanese newspapers of 1983, 1984. Right. Yeah, cuz I don't this one I don't even know exactly the name of the name of it. Um looks like it says Yom I don't know how to speak Japanese, so I'm going to offend everyone, but it looks like it's Yomuri News. Y-O-M-I-U-R-I -I News. So, anyway. There we go. Those are the newspapers. So we zoom in onto that picture in the newspaper of Patch and the girls, and then, boom, a flash of light, and we're in one of BZ's boardrooms. Before we go to BZ's boardroom, I also have to go back to the whole trope of the spinning newspaper headlines which definitely is a thing of the past yeah this may be one of the last movies well maybe there are a couple more movies of the 80s that did this but i feel like going into the 90s and into the 2000s it kind of this would have been a montage of cnn or fox news personalities talking about puce pops and floating children or news personalities from all over the world maybe a jay leno joke in there yeah and I think if it was done today, Towser would probably be saying, oh, look, we're trending. Mm. Hashtag Puce Pop. Yeah, it would be a whole bunch of different social media type things that he'd be showing. So we see BZ walking Patch into the boardroom, and it is now filled with reporters and camera people. BZ says... So we have to assume this is, at the earliest, December 26th. Yeah. Because those newspaper headlines were probably the newspapers for the day after Christmas. Mm-hmm. Because the Puce Pops were causing all that, all that hoopla on Christmas Day. Right. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say this conference took place on December 26th. A reporter asks Patch, what's in the lollipops? Patch starts to answer and BZ interrupts. What's in the lollipop, Mr. Patch? Well, it's uh, uh, all uh, natural ingredients. No additives whatsoever. Now, this is funny because it, go it went from, I'm sure this was intentional. This is part of the joke. BZ saying, ask this guy anything. And then BZ just takes over the whole news conference. <laughs> well, th yeah, that's a BZ thing. I mean. Yes. And this know. goes on much longer if you have the Blu-ray. Not in the movie itself, but there is a bonus feature. We've mentioned this many a time on this show. There is a bonus feature on the DVD, the filming of the boardroom scene, mm -hmm. which is 28 minutes of behind-the-scenes raw footage of the filming of this particular scene. And it's presented with no context whatsoever. None. And they so, do this 1,500 times. Yes, you see this <laughs> take after take after take. And you can watch uh, Dudley Moore just check out at one point. He's just sleepwalking <laughs> through the scene at one point. So the next reporter asks, who did Patch's outfit? Patch responds. Who did your outfit? Uh, Goober, actually. Uh, he's head of the sewing department. Though it does sound like Dudley is saying Goober. Mm. What would you say, playing it back and forth? Yeah, it sounds like he's saying Goober. And I have, I can't help you because that's not actually in the book, that line. Uh, a lot of the other it is, but that is not. There's actually uh, elf puns. So this isn't the elf pun that was 
in the filming of this scene on the Blu-ray, which we will get the audio from somehow, even if you have to record it on your phone and yeah. plop it in, because there is a lost elf pun. Yes. That's not in the movie, but there, you're saying there's another one in the book during this sequence. Yep. So one of them we've heard before. Um, so the reporter asks everybody, where do you come from? And... Patch says, matter-of-factly, top of the world with an elf-conscious smile. So there's that particular pun. We've heard that one before. And it wasn't even uh, spoken okay. out loud. The author no. was just sprinkling it in. Yes. And then there's another one. Do you work for this company? The reporter asked. Patch responded, currently I'm elf-employed. Ooh, that's a good one. Have we had yeah. that one before? I don't think elf employed so. yeah elf employed so uh, the the conference goes a little different in the book but it's close enough but i just wanted to add those little puns in there now a piece of audio you will have to capture from the blu-ray filming of the sequence bonus feature mm -hmm. is that after patch says that gooba made the outfit Remember BZ butts in and says, we have signed a deal with a sporting good manufacturer and we're going to sell this suit. I don't remember exactly how it goes. So right. we have to assume that BZ has signed on with a Reebok or a Nike <laughs> to sell <laughs> elf outfits. Mm -hmm. So you'll, you'll have to sprinkle that in here. We are currently investigating a tie-in with a major sportswear manufacturer. We've talked a lot about the display case in the background. It looks like there's a big puce pop prop in that display case yeah there's two of them actually there's two puce pops one on either side and has as we've mentioned in the past we also know there are some of bz's famous toys in there but they're like impossible to see with all the people in front of it yeah but we know for a fact they are because it's in, in that bonus feature that we keep talking about so another reporter asks if the space agency mm -hmm. has contacted pat yet which is yeah. an unusual way of putting it. You, you would think they'd just say NASA. Right. Mr. Patch, has the National Space Agency contacted you yet? Who? The astronauts. Oh. Yeah. I'd, maybe, yeah, maybe, I would have been thrown off by that question, too. I mean, like, the who? <laughs> the space agency. <laughs> maybe NASA is copyrighted and they couldn't use it. Maybe. You know how, like, you can't say the Olympics because that's copyrighted? Right. Maybe. Or the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. That's why they always say the big game. So Patch is a little confused not knowing who the space agency is. The reporter clarifies. And then Patch responds. Uh, no, they'll have to write to Santa Claus just like the other boys and girls. <laughs> the reporters laugh and BZ's about to say something and then our minute ends. But you say you have something more in the book about the astronauts? Yeah, it's more of a... Well, no, it's more of what BZ is thinking. So... Um, as you can see, when he's about to talk again, when Patch says that line about Santa, if you look at BZ's face, he has like this look like, wait, why is he talking about Santa face? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I've ever noticed that before. Yeah. So when Patch mentioned Santa, BZ glanced over at Patch again, then back to the reporters with a fleeting frown. He realized suddenly that he should have known better than to let the elf speak for himself. Because you cannot be talking about that other man that gives gifts to the kids. BZ was not happy that Patch brought up Santa Claus. Yeah, he looks very uneasy. Uh-huh, yeah. Very, very subtle performance there. Very. So speaking of Santa, he's not in this minute in the movie. But you have an entire cut Santa scene. I do. I do. I have a whole Santa scene that takes place on Christmas morning. So, are you ready for this? I am ready. I've never okay. been more ready. <laughs> okay. It takes place in a Midwestern town. After dropping off Joe, he found a puce pop at every home in the whole entire world. So he was depressed again. So he waited for Christmas to see what was so great about the puce pop. So he waited down, down on earth <laughs> with us common folk <laughs> to see what was so great about this puce pop. 
and why it was everywhere. And he was walking around, seeing all of the sights of towns, the cars, the buildings, the homes, everything, you know, he usually just sees kind of from above. He doesn't really walk down on the ground and interact with these things on a normal basis. So he's just walking around, taking it all in. Then he found a trash can that had six presents that Santa had delivered to these kids and they had not even been opened. And he stood there for a long time, just kind of looking at them without any strength or spirit, just, just sat there, you know, kind of in a, in a fog in a daze, just looking at all these things that he just carefully delivered with all this love to these kids. And they were just thrown out. And then two boys rounded a corner and they ran into him. Hey, mister, you ought to get yourself another outfit. He waved his hand. What do you want to dress up like that loser for? The two <laughs> boys started past him. Catching his breath, Santa called out, Say, boys, they stopped, turning back. Yeah? May I ask you something? Santa asked as pleasantly as he could manage. What did you get this Christmas? The puce pop, man. The boy answered, his face lighting up. The greatest. I thought I'd never come down, his friend shouted, balancing on one foot as he remembered walking on air. Santa Claus searched their faces, seeing nothing but selfish satisfaction. Remembering what had made him begin giving gifts on this special day so long ago, he asked softly, And what did you give this Christmas? The boy stared at him. What did we what? The second boy asked. Give, Santa said again. Give? What's he talking about? The second boy waved his hand, wiping away the question in the sight of the strange old man in the Santa suit along with it. Who cares, he said. They turned away and walked on again, leaving the formerly merriest man in the world looking the saddest and feeling the loneliest. Now that is a little more of what I would have liked to have seen in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then Santa feeling like a has been. Yeah, exactly. It kind of really opens your eyes to why he's so upset in a, another minute or so in the movie when we get to that in the podcast. Uh, then so he then he he slowly flies his way back to the North Pole. Everybody is going slow. The deer are not flying their normal happy selves back to the North Pole. Everybody's just very the word sullen is that the word i'm looking for they're all just kind of somber yeah then uh santa gets back to the north pole santa climbed down from his seat and anya's smile of relief faded because you know anya and Dooley didn't know where santa was he'd been missing like he didn't come home in his normal time he was missing basically and then when he landed, they were so excited to see him. But then they saw his face and they were worried all over again because they didn't know what had happened. And Santa just walked past them, very upset and uh, very depressed, and walked by him. And Anya hurried to his side with Dooley following as Boog, Honka, and Vout rushed to tend the drooping reindeer. Where were you? She asked. <laughs> the drooping reindeers. Funny. <clears throat> Her voice trembleous with concern. Out, he answered flatly. His voice was as dull as his gaze. He began to walk back toward their house so without another word. She caught at she caught at his arm. What's the matter? she asked, trying to make him stop and look at her. But his only answer was to wave his hand at her in a hopeless, despairing gesture that told her he did not want to talk about it. He went on alone, leaving her to stand rooted where she was, and the elf standing beside her, equally perplexed. She glanced at Dooley, who could only meet her alarmed stare with his own. That is quite the scene. There's a lot to unpack there, and he just threw it all at me at once. <laughs> Yeah. I can understand Santa, you know, feeling like a has-been. And like I said, I, I kind of wish they had established that more the night mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we kind of talked about how in the book, Santa's looking down and seeing puce pop, puce pop everywhere. Mm-hmm. And feeling a bit down. Seeing Joe cheers him up. Obviously, when he was gallivanting with Joe, Patch was able to uh, <laughs> get ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Quite a bit in the deliveries. Right. I'm not sure what Santa was getting at with the, what did you give? It's not like that's been a criteria to get a gift from Santa before. No. <laughs> and at this point, honestly, I mean, I, I can understand being a little a little mopey because of the competition and like there's new new shiny new guy in town. But there's nothing at this point that Santa is aware of anyway that Beezy and Patch are doing this any different than what Santa himself has done all these years. Very Just true. delivering things to every house for free. Yeah. Yes. I, I feel like uh, Santa saw the selfishness in these boys kind of more like because he was kind of being selfish. Like he's not the only game in town anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not all about him giving gifts anymore. It's someone else is joining him. Yeah, he has to share Christmas. Right, right. And seeing, like, Santa seeing discarded Santa elf presents Mm -hmm. in the garbage can. Oh, man, I wonder if this stuff was filmed, because this isn't even on the Blu-ray. This book scene that you just read is the only trace that we have of this scene. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot more detail in there, but I didn't want to read the whole thing. But uh, it's kind of summarized, but... I also love the idea of Santa just roaming the streets in his Santa clothes. When you were first reading it, I was picturing, you know, when Santa came to Earth in uh, a year without a Santa Claus, he was wearing like casual Santa. He had a little dirty yeah. hat and a little vest. No, yeah. he just walking, strutting around the street in his Santa suit. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because he didn't go back to the North Pole before coming back down to Earth. He just stayed there a little bit longer. He didn't stop off someplace to get a change of clothes. No. I wonder why he picked the Midwest. That isn't the end of his route. Nothing against the Midwest. I'm just wondering why he picked there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just processing this scene. <laughs> yeah, having that background, we will get to super depressed santa soon yes but this puts it in a lot more context Mm -hmm. you really kind of give him i i feel like after reading that scene that it really helps you understand why he's so upset in the future couple of minutes in the movie i don't want to talk about it because we're not there yet as far as the podcast goes but i think it really kind of helps you understand why he's so upset it's not just because Patch is out there again delivering presents. It's more that people don't want him to deliver them anymore. Like he's not good enough anymore now that Patch has started giving out these lollipops that make him fly. How can you how can how, you compete yeah, with that? How can I you compete know? with that? Right. And going off on that point for a bit. In this universe, people must be really cool with a- any person as long as they're giving you free stuff to just enter your house at will (laughs) yeah i guess so (laughs) and not only that bz's toys you know i'm sure this is all over the news this big Mm -hmm. recall and the the congressional hearing about the flammable toys and being stuffed with glass and sawdust would you let your child consume a food item that was left under your tree that was connected with bz and BZ toys. I know you're you're a parent. <laughs> if you woke up Christmas morning and just saw this random food item, in this case a lollipop under the tree, and it was linked to BZ toy, the guy who was just on uh, the news all year because of his deadly toys, would you let your son eat it? No, um, not unless the Food and Drug Administration <laughs> had already cleared it for consumption. Which I kind of doubt. Yeah, so I would say no, he would not be having that. Um, You know, but there are a lot of parents that are a lot more forgiving than I am. (laughs) Does the book go into any detail at all how long the floating ability lasts? No. When you consume a puce pop? No, it doesn't say how long you float. 
I would think this would just open up a floodgate of horrible PR for BZ if some kid got floated up into a uh, ceiling fan or something. Yeah. I mean, Mrs. Tucker really float, you know, she went pretty high. The other kids didn't seem to get higher than a uh, refrigerator height. Right. Maybe it's because she ate the whole thing. The kids, like, they lapped it. So they kind of just hovered. And then if they made yeah. a jump for, like, the basketball hoop or the cookie jar. You know, they, they had a little bit a more. A little oomph. higher. Yeah. But she just, like, mowed down on the whole thing because, you know, she's a Macy's Day before limp. And <laughs> she can't help herself but eat everything. So she just mowed down on it with her horse teeth. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, that's what the book said. Okay. I, I don't like it. <laughs> And we'll get to it soon, but the movie's definition of flying and floating have always has always confused me until recently, <laughs> and, <laughs> until we sat down and figured it out. Right. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that minute very shortly. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, man. What a minute. What a minute. How long have I been recording? <laughs> oh, no, I haven't been recording at all. What? I've been I, I've been recording for an hour. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a minute. Wow! If we if we record for eight more minutes, we can go as long as the movie. <laughs> but I'm sure the runtime of the podcast may be a little. Shorter. It'll be a little bit less because I have to cut out all of our flubs that nobody hears. Well, don't worry. You have to get uh, audio off of the Blu-ray. I'll probably send you a, a, a commercial for cold power detergent. True, it'll probably be longer. It will be a minute long. It will be an hour and a half long by keep, the time we gotta keep I'm rambling. Definitely. We got to beat that minute. We got to beat it. <laughs> we don't need to beat it. All right. So if you have anything else to add about this minute or anything Santa Claus and movie related, you can email us. Santa by the minute at gmail.com. You can also follow us on social media. At Santa Minute on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And let us know what you think of the Lost Santa Minute or the Lost Santa scene where he is uh, roaming around in the Midwest, bumping into boys and finding out what they got, what they gave for Christmas. And seeing his own presence in the garbage can. Right. As always, Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And as always, you can listen to any of our episodes. For free!